Welcome to the Enneamom. I am your host, Kendra Green, and you are listening to episode number 18. This is the place where motherhood and the Enneagram collide. Today's show is called You, Me, and We. With the holiday season upon us, and maybe you're preparing to spend some extra time with family and friends, I want to provide you with the tools to better understand some of those relationships. Or maybe you're here today trying to learn new ways to navigate them because, you know what? Everything's different in 2020. Today, I'm going to be walking you through the Enneagram Type 1, which is the moral perfectionist. My hope for this short and sweet episode is that it would be fun, informative, and encouraging. Because I know how hard ones are on themselves, I promise to go easy. Let's jump right in. Over the last few episodes, I've been reading quotes from Mr. Rogers' books because I picked them up when I was at the silos a few weeks ago, and I just love all the words that he says. So I'm going to read some more to you today. I'm going to read a song that he would sing on the show, and it's called I'm Proud of You. It says, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I hope that you're as proud as I am and that you're learning how important you are, how important each person you see can be. Discovering each one's specialty is the most important learning. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I hope that you are proud of you too. I'm proud of you for the times you've said no when all it seemed to mean was a loss of pleasure, yet eventually supported the growth of somebody else and yourself. I'm proud of you for standing up for something you believed in, something that wasn't particularly popular, but that assured the rights of someone less fortunate than you. I'm proud of you for times you wrestled with your problems and discovered how much that helped you to grow. I'm proud of you for anything that allows you to feel proud of yourself. I'm sure you have noticed already, just as I have noticed, how this Christmas season is going to be a little bit different because we aren't really sure what exactly is going to be open, what we can do, what's going to be allowed, and even who we will get to spend our Christmas with because we don't know who might be sick or might be showing symptoms. And so I know we are having to be careful and it, it can be hard. It can be hard trying to, de- to make those decisions and determine what you're going to do. And so I just want to start off by telling you to give yourself some grace this holiday season, to keep your focus on what really matters. And something I'm trying to do is stick with a tradition that makes things seem like they're normal. Something that we do every year um, is read kind of the Bible stories that lead up to um, the birth of Jesus. And we have a kid's storybook Bible that we read from. And every day we have a little prompt um, that tells us what stories to read in that storybook Bible. And it's so special to us. It's not always easy to do it. There's usually a kid fidgeting and not wanting to sit down and not wanting to participate. But my goal is to keep them focused, to keep my kids focused on the story of Jesus and on the birth of Jesus and the gift that Jesus was to us and still is to us. And so I want to encourage you just to keep your mind focused on that, not on how things are different, not on grieving the loss of some traditions, but remembering that the focus is on Jesus. And so I want you to think back. I want you to take a moment, close your eyes and think back to maybe some past company holiday parties or family celebrations or 
of times spent with a group of friends where you left not feeling so merry and bright. You know, we have all these celebrations and, you know, there's a full expectation to go and have a good time and connect with people and get to, you know, end the year at a, on a high, you know, be able to have a good time and celebrate and be with people we love. But sometimes we go to those things and we leave disappointed because maybe we don't understand why this one person always seems to act a certain way towards us. It could be that you simply wanted to have a good time, but someone started talking about politics again or started talking about all the corona crap <laughs> and maybe things got heated. Have you ever left early from somewhere because you were worried you may say something you shouldn't say? I want you to go back to that time and place or maybe you didn't feel so great about something you said or maybe about something that someone else said. I want to help you with these situations in this series. I think relationships are so important. And I feel like relationships can be an anchor for us in all seasons of life, corona or not, because it's not so much about what you fill your life with, but who. I want you to think about who you're filling your life with. And the people that are there in your life, you want to nurture those relationships well. So I want you to help you, I want to help you understand the people you're in relationship with, their motives, their focus of attention, so that we can learn to better manage ourselves. We get to learn some of their triggers, some of their tendencies, things that might frustrate them, and, and learn how to not push those buttons. I think it's really important to remember also that you're not going to be best friends with everyone you know, and you should not expect yourself to be completely vulnerable with everyone either. We certainly should do our best to be kind to everybody and love them with the love of Jesus because we know that our love so often falls short. And so love with the love of Jesus. But so very often we come into contact with people, yes, even people in our own families that are toxic and, and don't do their best to show love and, and tend to bump into our dysfunction because of their own. So with those people, we need to have boundaries in place. Something I want to help you understand that may allow you to release some expectations of people is that we all have a past. We all have a story and our personalities are developed based on our, pers our perspective of our own history. And so our futures are determined based on our perspectives of our past. Sometimes when people are rude or they do and say offensive things, in a strange way, it's how they are protecting themselves. It's coming from a place of insecurity. They may have just not learned how to use better strategies to deal with their inner turmoil. So I'm certain that whenever we learn about all the different perspectives, we can then release expectations we have of each other and therefore give more grace and give more love, and therefore have better relationships. So far, we have covered types 6, 7, 8, and 9. So today, we are going to go over the type 1. I'm really excited about this. It's going to be some great information that we can learn. Okay, so first, I'm going to give you a quick overview into the world of the type 1. So a 1's first response to everything is how can I make this better? 
That's the question that's constantly going on in their head. Well, that's fine, as long as they can also recognize that other people are thinking, how can I just finish this and move on? Or do I really need to finish this, or can I just live with what I've already done? It's difficult for ones to understand, much less respect people who don't want to give their best to every endeavor. They struggle to accept anything less, and if they do, it tends to make them miserable. They will always see the flaw and the mistake in whatever project they have been a part of. After finishing said project, ones often focus on what, it, what could have been done better instead of celebrating its completion. So if you're expecting a type one to be proud of themselves or voice how glad they are that the work is done, you probably are not going to get that. The, the criticalness of their mind is just going to continue. And something else that's good to understand about ones is their anger. Their anger usually comes out as frustration, and they are seldom angered by what they appear to be angry about. They're usually angered by something else that has happened, and whatever they are saying they're angry about, or whatever they seem to be angry about, is really just the tip of the iceberg. Ones tend to see life in terms of responsibility and work, and they focus on whatever is happening right in front of them, and then try to respond appropriately by doing whatever the situation requires. So they're not looking too far in the past, they're not looking too far in the future, they are thinking about the here and now. They feel deeply about what they do and how well they respond in each situation. So oftentimes they will rethink conversations they've had or pre-think conversations they're going to have because going to have because they want to make sure they're saying everything right or coming across um, as right. And not right as in like, oh, I'm right or wrong, but like right as in just. They want to they want to be just and they want to come across as um, being able to clearly think through everything they're doing. Oftentimes, all this energy they spend on how they respond in situations limits the energy they have left for the emotional needs and expectations within their relationships. On their best days, when ones are healthy, they are relaxed and charming and fun. Um, they are always conscientious, so they will do a good job at whatever is important to them. And when they're at their best, ones make room for a difference in opinion. So they can be the ones that are thinking about those who think differently than them. However, when they're in a, in a low or average space, they are argumentative and uncompromising. They have many expectations, and when expectations are not met, Resentment will soon follow. They can be picky and unpredictable, and your efforts to please them often fail. So if you are a one, you want to see those as warning signs. When you begin, begin acting that way, you need to get some help, uh, maybe talk through how you're feeling or whatever you're trying to process with a close friend or even a counselor. Um, don't feel bad about going to counseling, um, but it's really important to get a different point of view um, instead of your own mind because we know how critical your own mind is of you. So let's talk about ones and others. Ones in relationship with other ones will experience understanding. However, per per perpetual dissatisfaction opens the door to using improvement as the measure in most aspects of the relationship. Truly, some things are good enough as they are. Ones and twos respond to life differently. Ones are practical 
while twos are relational. Ones tend to think that twos can't stay focused, while twos think ones are too rigid. But both need to cultivate the art of compromise. I think both things are needed. We both need practicality, and we both need relationships. So learning to compromise between the two and knowing that they're both important will go a long way. Ones and threes both want to get things done and both want to be the best. But threes will cut corners while ones believe every single step of a task should be done correctly. Ones need to be careful about judging different paths toward the same goal. Ones and fours. The emotional needs of ones are often repressed. So ones can learn from fours how to focus on feelings rather than falling into the pattern of dualistic thinking. And fours can benefit from the ability of ones to stay focused and see things through to the end. This relationship can be extremely advantageous, advantageous for both. And then ones and fives. In relating to a five, ones will need, need to let go of the notion that silence represents judgment. Fives are silent much of the time, and they are rarely, if ever, judging. Ones need to avoid making assumptions about what others are thinking. And then ones and sixes. Along with twos and sixes, ones respond to whatever is happening right in front of them, in part because the initial reaction is to do something. Ones need to keep in mind that their way is not the right way. Or not the only right way. There are other right ways. <laughs> Ones and sevens. Sevens need the discipline of ones, and ones need the flexibility and spontaneity of sevens. With some awareness, they can be a great team. Ones and eights. They are both dualistic, right and wrong thinkers. Both think they're right most of the time, and both have a tendency at times to react without thinking things through. On the more positive side, ones appreciate that eights are so free, while eights admire the discipline of ones. And then ones and nines. Ones have a lot in common with nines. Both repress anger, though for different reasons. They both also like to ruminate about decisions for a long time, so be aware that someone will have to step up when the time comes for action. Okay, so when it's all said and done, something I want to help you understand as a type one or help everyone understand about type ones is that ones struggle to accept the reality that there are certain things they must accept. Here are some other things for ones to keep in mind. So you can have people in your life who get you, other ones or others who understand ones. So you can, you can have people that understand your thought process. You can be gracious when other people don't do things the way you think they should be done. You can seek perfection, but you can't have it. Perfection is momentary. Then something will shift and everything will change. You can make every effort to leave everything better than you found it, though you can't do it alone. You will need people to help you to see different perspectives. But you cannot have inner peace if you continue to commit to an ever-rising set of internal standards for yourself. You cannot accurately measure your own goodness and value based on the constant chatter of the inner critic. You cannot change how others see. You cannot expect other numbers to achieve perfection as you define it. That isn't just a matter of preference. It's how they see, and it's not going to change no matter what you say or do. 
So you'll need to accept that your way is not, on, not the only right way. Some things, perhaps many things, are good enough. You'll need to accept that you need to stop working so, you can, so that you and others can rest. And you'll need to accept that you are good, really good, just as you are today, right now, not tomorrow, not when you've accomplished everything that you have set out to accomplish, not when you feel like you have arrived, but today, you are good. So for those of you in relationships with ones, since ones often doubt their value and worthiness, they need to hear and believe that they are good and that they are loved. So the things I just said to you, you you need to say that to other ones. They need to know that they are loved and good just as they are. Their inner inner critical voice in some ways is a part of that relationship too. Here are some other ways that you can grow in your relationship with ones. So you can work to avoid making ones feel like they have to prove to you that they are good or that they are doing things right. Be careful and gentle when you point out their mistakes. It can be overwhelming for the one if you come on too strong. Make sure that you admit your mistakes in the relationship and not put all the weight on them. Ones appreciate equity. They work hard and they expect the same from you. Ones need you to be loyal and trustworthy because they are. Ones like order, so you will help if you honor that and the spaces that you share with them. Be careful about offhanded remarks and teasing. Ones are very sensitive to the slightest crit criticism. Support vacations and time away from work and responsibilities and encourage downtime for them at home. Help them verbally process their day. And then lastly, when things get contentious, it's often about the one's way of seeing the world and not really about you. In those moments, the only thing you can do is wait until something shifts, either in them or in the situation. So I hope that was helpful. If you need to, go back and listen to that. If you have any questions about anything I just said, or maybe you're wanting to learn more, I do have coaching for individuals, for couples, and even families. I can sit with you and help you understand each other better, help you understand um, those maybe that are in relationships with a type one, or if you are a type one, I can help you better understand yourself and get on the road to becoming a truer, more free version of yourself. Before we conclude our time here together today, I would like to read to you a scripture and a prayer of confession that is specific to the type one. And the scripture is from Philippians 4.8. It says, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And the prayer says, Lord, I confess I'm attached to my need to be perfect, and I believe the lie that my self-created standards earn your love and acceptance. I confess that, that I attempt to meet my desire for power and control, by overcorrecting and judging rather than depending on you. I confess my resentment, my disappointment, and condemnation of myself and others when I see imperfections. I disown all the ways my adapted self tries to earn my worthiness and protect me from criticism. I claim that my innate desires and abilities to make all things perfect are expressions of your true rightness and goodness, and I am grateful for the gifts you have bestowed on me. Lord, I surrender to your transforming love and presence. Only you can make me whole and complete. Amen. I 
hope this was helpful. I would love to connect with you on social media. Please go rate and review this podcast so it can get out and be helpful to other people as well. It was a pleasure today. I will see you next time on The Enya Mom.